Well, good evening, everyone. It is uh, good to be here tonight with all of you. And uh, I've been having a great time uh, covering for Pastor Tony and uh, preaching uh, God's Word. And I, I appreciate him um, giving me the opportunity to do exactly that and standing behind this pulpit. that I like to consider this most sacred desk and uh, preaching the Word of God. And so I, I appreciate our pastor, uh, appreciate the ministry of uh, East Bay Baptist Church and praying for travel mercies for him as he comes back on Saturday and looking forward to seeing him again. Uh, pray for us because Sunday I'll be preaching in Haverhill, Massachusetts, right on the Massachusetts-New uh, Hampshire line, and I'll be preaching for Pastor Chris Giacomo at Lifeline Baptist Church. Every Father's Day he has me come in, and I'll be preaching all day for him. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing him, all of his people over there, and looking forward to ministering the Word of God there. And then, uh, Lord willing, Tuesday I leave for Israel, and this will be my... Uh, 34th trip uh, to the Holy Land, and I am looking forward to accompanying Dr. Todd Baker of Barit Chadashah Ministries in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I will accompany him preaching the gospel out there in Israel uh, to the Jewish people and to the Arab people, and I appreciate all of you praying for us, jumping on board, supporting us, and I do want to thank all of you uh, for that. This will be, uh, Brother Chris, my 34th trip to Israel. I never get sick and tired of going to the Holy Land. You know, the Bible refers to Israel as the glorious land. That's Daniel 11.16, Daniel 11.41, the glorious land. Looking forward to going back to the glorious land that I like to refer to in alliteration as the land of promise, the land of prophecy, and in the future, the land of primacy, because that will be our home in the kingdom to come for 1,000 years, the millennial kingdom, uh, Revelation chapter uh, 20, verses uh, 1 through 7. And so I'm looking forward to joining Dr. Baker out there and sharing the gospel. This is going to be his 55th trip to Israel, my 34th, and so I'm excited about that. Looking forward to going back there again, and we do appreciate uh, Zola Levitt Ministries for sending us out there uh, to do exactly that. So this is going to be the 54th Israel Gospel Outreach. Uh, I'll be back in Israel in the fall for the 55th Israel Gospel Outreach. And uh, as long as the Lord continues to open the doors out there in the land of Israel, we're going to go there and we're going to share the good news of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so we are looking forward to that. The Bibles are already out there uh, waiting for us at our hotel in Netanya. Complete Hebrew Bibles, Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim the Jewish division of the uh, Old Testament, uh, the, uh, the, the prophets the, and the write-ins, and, of course, the Berich HaDashah, the New Covenant, or the New Testament. So we're going to be going at the shopping malls in Israel, in Tel Aviv, in uh, Nazareth, uh, in Netanya, Tiberias, Haifa, Jerusalem, and going into these shopping malls and sharing the good news with the Jewish people. And why? Because there's no expiration date on Romans 1.16, right? No expiration date there. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. Paul said in Romans 10.1, brethren, he's talking to us, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Jesus said, I go to the lost. Matthew 10.5 and 6, I go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 15, 24, I go to the lost sheep of 
the house of Israel. It's sad today that, I mean, we've gotten criticized, Brother Chris, uh, in the past by believers because we went out there sharing the gospel with Jews and Arabs. I mean, go figure. But we were criticized because of these same Christians having a connection to Kufi, Christians United for Israel, founded by John Hagee, who condemns, in no uncertain terms, he condemns any Jewish outreach in Israel. It's sad because he believes in this nonsense of dual covenant theology that teaches there are two salvations. There's one salvation for the Jewish people outside of Jesus Christ because they're the physical descendants of Abraham. They don't need to be saved. They're already saved because they're the chosen people of God. And there is another salvation for you Gentiles in Jesus Christ. So you Gentiles need Jesus Christ. The Jews don't need Jesus Christ. But that's not what Paul talks about in Romans 3.19. He says both Jew and Gentile are all under sin. So if all is under sin, all need a Savior. Amen? There is only one salvation for the Jew, and there's only one salvation for the Gentile, and that is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen? If a Jew wants to go to heaven, a Jew must go through Jesus Christ. If a Gentile wants to go to heaven, that Gentile must go through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's sad today of this horrendous doctrine that's being propagated out there within the church today. And that's the reason why we need to be astute students of the Word of God. We need to study our Bibles on a daily basis. We need to study, memorize the Word so that we can get it First of all, in here, and then lock it up in here. And the, re the way you can lock it up in here is through Bible memorization. Amen? Uh, Chris Barrows and I, going back all the way to 1988, when he led me to the Lord, uh, the late Pastor Joe Mendes invited uh, an evangelist by the name of Dr. J.O. Grooms. He went home. Remember Dr. J.O. Grooms? Uh, he went home to be with the Lord, and it was Dr. J.O. Grooms that turned me on into Bible memorization. I've been doing that. Um, ever since. I just love memorizing God's word. Amen. I love studying God's word. I love memorizing God's word. Why? Uh, uh, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So it's important that we have God's word in our hearts and in our heads so that 1 Peter 3.15 says that we will be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that's within you uh, with meekness and with fear. Uh, just do me a favor, if you will, uh, pray for Patty. She has that bronchial infection um, going on right now, and she's been coughing an awful lot. She had to go to the, uh, uh, the walk-in at the doctor's office there, our primary doctor, and they gave her some uh, antibiotics to get this cough uh, to go away. So she's not able to be here tonight, but she is watching via uh, live stream. Believe me, she wants to be here, amen? And so uh, keep Patty in prayer. Keep all those that are going through health issues uh, in prayer, like Nancy, like Patty, and others that are going through some type of health issues uh, right now. Uh, what I want you to do is take your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Numbers, if you will, please. Numbers. It's going to be an unusual message, but I believe this is a major problem uh, going on even within the church today. Amen? So we're going to be in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at verses 31 through 35. So I hope you have your Bibles. Please go along uh, with me. Amen. Write down some notes. 
Uh, you know, when you, when you write down notes, what you're doing is you're activating your touch gate. And when you activate the touch gate, that's a, that's a way of getting information into your head. Amen? When you activate that touch gate, so taking notes is very important. And then, of course, when you actually look at it, you're activating your eye gate, which is another way to get information right in the back of that cerebellum of yours. Amen? And so write down some notes if you have to. Look at what I'm going to be preaching on here because, again, this is a major problem. Uh, within the church. So we're going to be in Numbers chapter 11. So the title of my message uh, tonight is, Are You Digging Your Own Grave? Are you digging your own grave? Listen, when we are disobedient and we engage in things that we know is not right, what we are doing, even as believers, is that we are digging our own graves. Now, I want you to notice here in Numbers chapter 11 and beginning in verse number 31. And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp and as it were two cubits high, roughly about three feet or so, upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day. And they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. Here's where the sin comes in. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, Ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people. And the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibrochata'ava, because there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from Kibrochata'ava unto Hazaroth and abode at Hazroth. What a mouthful there, huh? Kebroth chata'ava. That's a big, long Hebrew word, but it means something. Kebroth chata'ava. I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, that the spirit of kebroth chata'ava is alive and well today, especially within the church. Let's have a word of prayer tonight. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity uh, to come into the house of the Lord to worship you, Father, to come into your very presence as the writer of Hebrews 4.16 tells us, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we open the word of God and we look at the truths that are laid out here in Scripture, Father, it's my prayer tonight that you would give me the words that I need, the unction from heaven on high, to fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as I preach this message tonight, to help me to preach this message in the Spirit and not to preach it in the flesh. The problem that we have today, Lord, is we have so much fleshly teaching going on behind the pulpits of America today. Lord, we want to preach something tonight that will challenge not only the people here, the people watching via live stream, but myself as well, Lord. And also, dear Lord, to apply it 
to our very lives so that we do not entertain or engage in such rhetoric that is going on behind church doors today. And so, Father, I ask that you would be glorified in everything that's said and done. And if there is someone here, Lord, and they do not have the assurance of going to heaven when they die, Lord, I pray that they would call upon the name of the Lord. Be born again through the Spirit of God so that they would receive the free gift of eternal life. Father, thank you for what you're about to do now. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said amen and amen. So let's uh, put this on right here, and I think we have power in this little thing here. So, folks, as the children of Israel make their way to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, there were many issues along the way that Moses had to deal with concerning the people that he was called by God to lead. Now, we know the children of Israel in the Exodus left Egypt at around 1440, no, no, at around on 1447 B.C. Now you say, August, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, because I read it in the Bible. I read it out of 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 1. Because during the reign of King Solomon, it says 480 years after the children of Israel left Egypt, began Solomon to reign in the fourth year. Now, any archaeologist will tell you in Israel, based on all the archaeological evidence that they have uncovered from 3,000 years ago, say at around 1,000 B.C., that Solomon began his reign in 971 B.C. So the fourth year of his reign would be 967 B.C. So if you take 480 plus 967, what number do you come up with? 1447, the year of the Exodus. It's right there in the word of God. So as they're making their way toward the land of milk and honey, a lot of issues began to arise. Despite the miracles, right? Despite the miracles and the provision that God made for the ancient Israelites, they still murmured, they still complained that, you know something, God, this isn't enough. You can do more, God. I know you can do more for me. And we have this attitude today of, what have you done for me lately? It all boils down in the 21st century in which we live today is me, myself, and I. That's the attitude we have today. Me, myself, and I. What can you do for me? What have you done for me lately? Even to the point with, hey, pastor, what have you done for me lately? You want me to come back to church? What have you done for me lately? And folks, no doubt in my mind, when you think of that long Hebrew word, kebroth chata'ava, that simply means graves of craven, graves of lust, graves of greediness. There are many different definitions for kebroth chata'ava. And again, the children of Israel no doubt gave Moses a major, major headache as portrayed by this uh, cartoon right here. Moses, you know, uh, God's providing the, the quail. He's providing the food. Hey, I can't eat that. I'm vegan. Has that fish been tested for mercury? Is that gluten-free bread, Moses? Oh, come on. Yeah, we're starving to death, but God can do better than that. 
Come on, God, I know you can do better than that. What have you done for me lately? So they had this attitude of what have you done for me lately, and it all boils down to me, myself, and I. And no doubt Moses must have had a major headache from these Israelites. And Moses had to deal on a daily basis with constant complaining to the point that they even threatened the man of God's life. They even threatened, Brother Tom, to stone Moses to death. Why? Moses would not capitulate. Moses said, why can't we just trust God? Why can't we just believe in God? You know, when, when God sent the spies out to Kadesh Barnea, God said, we can take the land. God said that. We can take the land. All right, all right, let's do it. They go to Kadesh Barnea, and they see these big dudes there. These dudes are massive. And before you know it, they're running with their tail between their legs. They go back, and they say, uh, we, we can't. Look at the size of these guys right here. There is no way we can take these dudes. There's no way that we can take Kadesh Barnea. But listen, God told me that we can take it. God promised that we can take Let's just trust God. Well, I, I appreciate your encouragement, but we're just not going to do it at this time. And what happened? The judgment of God came down on them. They dug their own graves right there and then because of the murmuring, the complaining, and pretty much to the point of borderline blasphemy against God. But folks, i got to tell you, nothing has changed in 3,500 years. Remember what Paul said to the church at Philippi, do all things without murmurings and disputings. But yet this goes on on a daily basis within the church doors today. So nothing has changed in the past 3,500 years because pastors deal with constant bickering all the time, constant murmurings, constant gossipers, and complainers among the brethren within the church of the 21st century. And Paul the Apostle is warning about this. And folks, when we do that, spiritually speaking, we are digging our own grace. We are going to shut up heaven so that God does not pour out any blessings upon our lives. I don't know about you. I want the blessings of God in my life. I want to draw closer to the Lord every single day. And the only way that I can do that is when I'm in prayer, reading my Bibles, and fellowshipping among you, the brethren. The Bible tells us to do that. Why? Jesus is coming sooner rather than later. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, building up one another, as so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The next main event we call the rapture of the church. Listen, I'm just going to be blunt here right now. I love Pastor Tony Barboza. I love East Bay Baptist Church. I love my brothers and sisters in the Lord here at East Bay Baptist Church. But Pastor Tony Barboza has gone out of his way to help people. That's the gift that God has given him. The gift of helps, the gift to be there, to give, to give the shirt off his back to people that are in need. He was doing that before he was pastoring. 
He's doing that now as the pastor of East Bay Baptist Church. I have seen this man, and so have you. I have seen him bend over backwards to assist people with need. But it was the same people that Pastor Tony went out of his way to assist that walked right out the door and are never to be seen again. They never gave a reason why they left. And some of those people that left decided to use social media to attack him. To attack him. Using Facebook or whatever the case may be. Don't tell me that's of God. And when you engage in that type of rhetoric, I'm here to tell you, you are digging your own grave. Even to the point where I had to cut ties with those same people. Even blocking some of those same people because they went on social media and attacked our pastor. There is no cause for that whatsoever. You could simply sit down and have a talk with the pastor in his office amicably, amen, but no, they decided to take the next rule. They decided to fulfill the lust of the flesh and go on social media and attack the pastor. And what bothers me even more is that some of those Christians also jumped on the bandwagon that don't even know Pastor Tony from the hole in the wall and said, yeah, yeah, what a terrible man he must be. God have mercy on us. That's the spirit of Kibroth Chata'va. That is the graves of craving, the graves of lust, the graves of greediness, the graves of fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And that's exactly what they were doing here in Numbers chapter 11. And yet we read in verse 34 of Numbers 11, and he called the name of that place Kibroth Chata'va because there they buried, they buried the people that what? Lusted. What does Galatians 5.16 tell us? Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But when we entertain the flesh, it's going to be the total opposite. And the people journey from Kibroth Chata'va unto Hazaroth and, the, and, and abode at Hazaroth. Why did they do this here in Numbers chapter 11? They developed the graves of craven. They decided to feed the flesh by attacking not only Moses, but 3,500 years later, they're attacking the pastor. They're attacking the church. Why? Because things did not go their way. Folks, there are physical cravings of the flesh today that lead to a lot of these sinful pleasures out there. Physically speaking, we crave for an abundance of food. We call that gluttony, right? Uh, read Proverbs 29.2, uh, put a knife to thy throat if thou be a person given over to appetite. Gluttony, then there's craving for nicotine, which is why you smoke cigarettes, which destroys your body. There's a craving for drugs with heroin addictions all across America. I had a sister who was a junkie. She would steal our rent money. 
doesn't matter if it came from mom, doesn't matter if it came from dad, it didn't matter. She had to steal or do whatever it takes, doesn't, mind, doesn't matter who she ran over or who she hurt, she had to get that money to support her drug habit. And unfortunately, she ended up dying from a heroin overdose. And I don't think she knew the Lord Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. But that's a big problem in America and all over the world today. A craving for lust that leads to whoremongering, sexual immorality. You know sexual immorality in the Greek as pornos, where we get the English word pornography, sexual immorality. In the last days, folks, prior to the next event we call the rapture of the church, you and I, as students of Bible prophecy, we will see an exponential increase of materialism. What is materialism? It's the love of money. That's America today, the love of money. First Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which some coveted after. They have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that. It says the love of money. The worship of money is the root of all evil. Then we have uh, the problem of hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure, self-indulgence, if you will. And that's uh, 2 Timothy 3, 4. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. I got to have self gratification. I have to have pleasures that's going to fulfill my desires. The lust of the flesh. Then we have secularism. What, what is that? It's a separation from biblical principles. And again, we read here in Romans 1.22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We don't need biblical principles. We don't need all this morality going on uh, in, uh, in America today, which is the reason why we have all these school shootings going on. Even to the point where you now walk into an elementary school with a metal detector there. Can you imagine? They never had that back in the day. When we were growing up, now you got metal detectors all over the schools today. Uh, schools are becoming targets. They're shooting up schools. They're shooting up the shopping malls. And yes, even churches have become soft targets for these individuals. Why? We don't want nothing to do with God. We divorced ourselves from God, and we said, God, we don't need you in American society, and this is what we have in return today. Professing themselves to be wise, they became nothing more than fools. Then we got humanism. What's humanism? It's nothing more than the worship of man. Romans 1.25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who's blessed forevermore. Amen. Don't give me this garbage of Mother Earth. Let's worship the rocks. Let's worship the trees. Let's worship the, worship the peas or whatever. You don't worship the creature. You worship the creator who created the creature. Amen. It doesn't say in the beginning man created the heaven and earth. What it does say in Genesis 1-1 in Hebrew, In the beginning, God, God created the heaven and the earth. 
Paul the Apostle, and you know this, folks, Paul the Apostle gives us 19 characteristics of the last days. I've circled 19 characteristics from verses 1 through 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And these are the things that you and I, as students of Bible prophecy, are witnessing in the last days prior to the next event we call the rapture of the church. What does Paul say? This know also that in the last days, what did he say? Perilous times shall come. Folks, we are living in those perilous times right now. Perilous times shall come. Then he gives us the 19 characteristics. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Hedonism. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Again, hedonism. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such Turn away. Do we not see that going on right now? That's the last day scenario that Paul said you and I will witness prior to Jesus' soon return at the next event we call the rapture of the church. We see these characteristics being played out now, and folks, they will only get worse. But listen, the Bible never says it's going to get better. Read, read, your, read your Bible. 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax Worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall what? Wax cold. I'll tell you right now, it may be summer, but it's freezing morally out there. Why? America has become morally bankrupt. I mean, you can't even walk into a grocery store right now without them trying to uh, cram pride down your throat. You can't watch TV commercials right now without them cramming pride down your throat. I'm going to tell you something right now. I will never, ever, ever, ever again grace the steps of Disney World. Never. I don't care if it's a family get-together. I don't care what. I will never, and I'm going on record here, I will never, ever go to Disney World again. Even through their cartoons, they are trying to indoctrinate our children to accept a lifestyle that God says it's a, it's an abomination. Yes, Clearly, it's a, and a, a simple reading of Romans chapter one, Romans one twenty four, God gave them up. Romans one twenty six, God gave them up. Romans one twenty eight, God gave them over. What to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not. Convenient, the Bible says. They are cramming this stuff down our throats. I told you, I don't hate anybody. I'll share the gospel with homosexuals. I'll show love to homosexuals. But I'll also tell homosexuals, you need to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If not, you will die and go to hell for the rest of eternity. That goes for them and that goes for heterosexuals. There's all types of sexual immorality. You know, people try to tell us, hey, Brother Tom, well, Jesus never condemned that lifestyle. I beg to differ. Jesus said, for from within, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, plural. Fornications, again, comes from that Greek word, pornos, where we get the English word pornography, and that covers all types of sexual sin whether it's heterosexual or whether it's homosexual. Yes, God loves the sinner. Don't get me wrong. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. 
And unless that sin comes under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be paying for your own sins in a Christless eternity in a lake of fire. Why? God's holy, and he will not tolerate sin in his presence. The spirit of Kibroth Chatafa, the graves of Craven, is alive and well today within the secular realm as well as the spiritual realm. We live in a society today of ungratefulness. We live in a society today of just attitudes. And that, that sums it up right there. Folks, it is the perilous times that Paul the Apostle is speaking of. The spirit of Kibroth Chatafa is alive today. And that was one of the stations of the Exodus. They made that stop at Kibroth Chatava, where the murmurings, the cravings for the flesh, ungratefulness, complaining, and pretty much shaking their fist in God's face. It's not enough. Yeah, we're starving, Lord. You sent us a quail. It's not enough. God said, you're hungry. I have given you the quail. Yeah, I guess we have no choice. Then instead of properly cooking the thing, what did they end up doing in verse 33? And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, air, air, it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. They were ungrateful. They were bickering, murmurers, selfish attitudes, if you will. And folks, all of us, all of us are guilty of this. And it is something that you and I need to give over to the Lord. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. Can I say that again? <laughs> we need to have an attitude of gratitude. If anyone should know this, it should be you and I. It should be God's people. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 31, again, they're hungry. God is sending them all this quail to eat. Numbers 11, 31 through 32 lays it out for us. The people gathered the quail in abundance. The Bible says 10 homers. No, they did not hit 10 home runs. But they were 10 homers, amen? That's equivalent to them gathering at least, Brother Tom, 1,900 quail weighing at least 475 pounds. Kebroth chata'ava, the graves of craven come when they eat the quail raw, uncooked, if you will, which I would assume they're eating it raw and uncooked. They're eating the flesh, but you know what the problem is? They're eating the flesh, and guess what, guess what is within the flesh? The blood. What did God say about that? You, if you go to a supermarket in Israel, anywhere in Israel, brother, you go to the meat section where they have the steak or where they have the lamb or whatever, you'll notice something totally different with that meat than the meat you'll find at Stop and Shop. At Shaw's, not only is it kosher, brother, you will find no blood circling around that tray at all. They make sure that all the blood is out of that meat based on the Mosaic law. These guys at Kibroth Chatava, 
they get the quail and they're already chomping on it. They're eating it. I'm sure the feathers must have been stuck between the teeth, the raw flesh in their mouth, and the blood's dripping down. And yet the Bible says that the wrath of the Lord was kindled against them. Now, folks, there's a reason why God said this. Now, I, I want you to go with me to Leviticus chapter 17, if you will, okay? We're in Numbers, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. So back up, okay? Leviticus chapter 17. God said this for a reason. Leviticus chapter 17. And let's look at verse number 12. Leviticus 17 and verse number 12. It is unambiguous here. It is clear. It is plain as the nose on your face. In Leviticus 17 and verse number 12, it says this. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourn among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catcheth away any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For the life, for, for it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, ye shall, uh, ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh. For the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be what? Dig your own graves. Leviticus 17.11 For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your soul, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. According to the rabbis in Judaism, you have to separate the blood because it's the blood that gives life. It's the blood that gives life. God said, make sure you separate that blood from the flesh. Remember at the council in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 15, we put no other burden upon these Gentiles, only that they abstain from fornication and don't eat things, what? Strangled with blood. Now, folks, that was given way before the Mosaic law came on the scene. That takes you back to Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 4. This was given way before the Mosaic law. And, folks, there is a health issue here. Raw meat with blood may contain harmful bacteria, including what? Salmonella, Listeria, uh, Camp, Camp Lobicter, if that's how you pronounce it, E. coli. All this stuff can cause food poisoning. The Israelites acted like a bunch of carnivorous animals. They failed to drain the blood and cook the meat properly. Listen, when you go to a restaurant, any restaurant, there is a health warning from the USDA on those menus. What is that health warning? Here's Leviticus 17:11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you to make upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is blood that maketh atonement for the souls. And you'll notice that when you go into any restaurant, they're going to give you a warning. Now go into Genesis 9:4. Uh, but but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, ye shall not eat. This was given way before the Mosaic Law. This is the consumer advisory that you see on every 
menu. This is, this is law in the country. Consuming raw or undercooked meats, poultry, seafood, shellfish, or eggs may increase your risk of foodborne illness, especially if you have certain medical conditions. I just read on Fox News, a guy walks into a seafood bar, orders oysters, raw oysters. He's sucking these oysters off the shell, man. Two days later, he died. He died from consuming raw shellfish. That's the reason why the USDA mandated warnings on menus all across restaurants across the United States. But listen, under the law of Christ, these foods are obsolete. And the New Testament gives no blanket restrictions about what to eat in the church. Why? 1 Timothy 4.3, God created all food to be received with what? Thanksgiving to them who know the truth. So there are no dietary laws for the church, amen? Remember in Acts chapter uh, number 9, Peter is in Joppa, one of my favorite places to visit in Israel. Peter is at the Joppa. Joppa is a suburb of Tel Aviv today. Uh, they call it in Hebrew, Yafo, Y-A-F-F-O. And it was there that Peter gets this vision. What does he see? He doesn't see kosher animals. He sees unclean animals. He hears a voice, no doubt from the Lord. Arise, Peter! Kill and eat. What did Peter say? Lord, that which is uncommon, I'm not going to eat. What did Jesus say? What God has cleansed, don't call uncommon. All food is now acceptable under the law of Jesus Christ. Whether it's cow, whether it's pig, whether it's lamb, chick, whatever. There are no dietary laws because we are under the dispensation of grace. But God put that in there, folks, for a reason. He wants you and I to use common sense. And, folks, many of these Israelites, they dug their own graves. The graves of Craven, because of their disobedience, and were buried at the place called Kibrochata'ava, the graves of Craven, uh, the graves of lust, the graves of greediness, and many of them was buried right in this very area. Todd Baker and I, when we go to Elat, which is right over here, Elat is the southern tip of the state of Israel, and it borders uh, Egypt. So we're not that far away, Brother Tom, from the area of Kibroch. Hatava, which is east of the Gulf of Aqaba, in the south where the state of Israel in the south meets Egypt to uh, the east. It's about three days' journey from Sinai. That is the area where the graves of Craven took place. It was a place of lust, place of greed, sinful cravings, flesh, complaints, Murmuring, backbiting, take your pick. But it all led to their demise. And folks, I'm here to tell you, this should serve as a reminder for all of us in the church today. Avoid the murmurings, the complaints, greedy desires, improper motives. It will lead to your spiritual demise. It will lead to you Spiritually digging your own grave. 
I don't want to dig my own grave. <laughs> Amen. I want to be obedient to the Lord. The New Testament warns of this repeatedly, time and time again. And we need to take heed, ladies and gentlemen. Christians must not fall prey to these disastrous isms that are destroying this country today. And I'll tell you one thing. These isms are even destroying some churches today. What are the isms? We already went through them. Materialism, love of money, hedonism, self-pleasure, humanism, worship of man, secularism, a departure from biblical principles. Has no business in the church today. None whatsoever. Murmurings, bickerings, in-house fighting also has no business in the church today. Constant complaints, gossiping has no... Why are churches being destroyed today? Why do I see church splits all across the United States when I'm preaching at church? Why do I see church splits? I'll tell you why. The Bible tells us why. James 4.1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own lust that war in your members? You go on Facebook today, Brother Tom. It's a battleground for Christians with doctrinal wars. Bickering, fighting, and I sometimes I see it gets ugly, man. And some of these guys even try to get me involved in these online Facebook doctrinal wars. And my response to them is, leave me out of it. Why? I got bigger fish to fry. I got bigger fish to fry. People are dying and going to hell every single day, and the church at large has become oblivious to it. No longer passing no tracts, no longer sharing the gospel, no longer doing anything anymore. There should be people here tonight. But no, we're too busy in front of the tube. Too busy going to the movie theaters. Too busy doing this, too busy doing that. We simply just don't have time for God anymore. You know why? The spirit of Kibroth Chata'ava, Brother Chris, is alive and well within the church today. I've seen pastors get discouraged at prophecy conferences that I've done. And they're, you know, despite them spending the money on advertising, spending the money in the local newspapers, even inviting fellow churches to come out, and hardly anybody shows up. Why? The spirit of Kibroth Chata'ava is alive and well today. The graves of craving for the things of the world rather than the things of God. There's a reason right there. James hits it right on the nose. Now, I can understand bringing up concerns that need to be addressed. I can understand that. But the graves of cravings, the murmurings, the gossiping, the backbiting, all of that needs to be avoided, folks. Moses recaps this. Let me, let me close right here. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy chapter 9 is known as the second law. In other words, it's a recap of what went on in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. So it's a recap here. He's recapping, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy chapter 9. And let's look at verses 17 through 22. Deuteronomy chapter 9. And let's look at verses um, 17 through 22. And the word of God says this. 
And I took the two tables, this is Moses talking, and I took the two tables and cast them out, out of my hands and break them before my eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first 40 days and 40 nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water because of all your sins, which he sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also the same time. And I took your sin, the calf which he had made, and burnt it with fire, and stamped it and ground it in very small, uh, ground it very small, even until it was as small as dust. And I cast the dust thereof into the brook that descended out to the mount. And at Tabara, and at Massah, and at Kibrothata'ava, ye provoked the Lord to wrath. Would you have wanted to have been in Moses' shoes 3,500 years ago? You know, you go into Egypt, 70 people. You come out later, 2 million. 400 years later, you come out 2 million. And this man of God, Moses, had to deal with that crowd. On a daily basis, he had to deal with the complainers. On a daily basis, he had to deal with the gossipers. On the daily basis, they were even questioning his authority. Who do you think you are, Moses? God called me too. You're not the only one. You know what we, all, we call that today? The spirit of Korah. Oh, yeah, the spirit of Korah is alive and well today. People who love to undermine the authority of the pastor. Going behind his back. Well, you know, I really didn't agree with what pastor preached that Sunday. He was, he was totally wrong. Hey, let's come to my house. Let's have a Bible study. I'll tell you what the, what the Bible really says. That's rebellion. That's straight up rebellion. That's the spirit of Korah right there in a nutshell. And Brother Chris, I've seen this. Brother Tom, I've seen this time and time and time again at churches all across the United States. That spirit of Korah is alive, and Christians need to avoid it. Step away from it. Have not, don't even entertain it. From others who want to try to sow seeds of discord among brethren. Church, that is the last day scenario that we are witnessing right now. Not only is it bad out there in the world, there are serious issues within the church as well. The spirit of Kibroth Chata'ava, the graves of craving, are alive and well today. You and I must avoid this, folks, at all costs. In closing, in these last days, we need to focus on our walk with the Lord. Amen? <clears throat> focus on fellowshipping among encouraging believers, encouraging believers, studying God's word, winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We must avoid the graves of craving in terms of the murmuring, feeding the desires of the flesh, second-guessing God. Oh, I've heard that I don't know how many times. Second-guessing God. We need to support our pastors 
our pastor and not attack or hamstring these men of God. The spirit of Kibroth Chata'ava has no business at East Bay Baptist Church. No business whatsoever. If you come to me and you have something negative to say about my pastor, I'm going to do it in love, but I will rebuke you. I will rebuke you. I'll do it in love, but I will rebuke you. And I hope you do the same with me. I will rebuke you. Do not touch God's anointed. Folks, Jesus is coming soon. Maranatha. You've got to love that beautiful Aramaic expression. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. Maranatha. Our Lord come. And when these things begin, not fulfilled, begin to come to pass. Prophecy unfolding in its early stages. When you see these things begin to come to pass, we are told to do what? Look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Folks, the next main event on God's calendar of activities, the rapture of the church. This is our blessed hope. Whatever little time we have left, and I don't know how much time it is, but whatever little time we have left, Let's avoid all that nonsense. Let's avoid that spirit of Kibroth Chata'ava. Let's avoid that spirit, the graves of Craven. Let us walk in the light. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's win people to the Lord. And let's back up our pastor. Because he is the man of God. He is the under-shepherd. 1 Peter 5, 4 who will one day give an account to the chief shepherd. And the chief shepherd is coming soon. So for one last time, until our Bible prophecy conference, I blow the shofar once again. Because Jesus is coming back. The trumpet will shout. will sound. Jesus will shout. Archangel will shout. Dead in Christ rise first. We who are alive and remain, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We can blink the human eye. Bye-bye. We're out of here. Jesus is coming soon. And we need to restore biblical integrity back to the church. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for giving me this message. And Lord, I, I ask you what you would have me to preach to challenge your people as well as to challenge myself, Lord. Father, there are so many things that are going on behind church doors, Lord. Things that even shouldn't be in the church. We allow the worldly entertainment to come into the church. 
we allow sin to come into the church. We turn the church house into a laser light show frat house, if you will. And Lord, we have allowed doctrinal integrity to go out the window. We have embraced every wind of doctrine within the church today, Lord, in which Paul would call doctrines of devils, doctrines of demons. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that in these last days, would you help us to restore doctrinal integrity, biblical integrity, back behind the pulpits of America and amongst your people, Lord. And Father, if there is someone here tonight and they do not have that assurance of going to heaven when they die, Lord, I pray that they would settle that tonight before they even walk out these doors, <clears throat> that they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. And I pray that during this invitation now, Lord, that they would do exactly that, especially someone watching via live stream on the East Bay Baptist uh, Facebook and um, YouTube pages. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for someone. Time is of the essence, and we are running on borrow time. Thank you, Father. And we do ask all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.